0: Welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. I'm Karen Sook. In this podcast, I will have conversations with top leaders, CEOs, and managers from various organizations about leading mindfully. We will learn from experienced leaders how they implement mindful leadership in the day-to-day organizational culture, and we will gain tools and skills. So stay with us. Today, I will host Richard Newman, He's the founder and CEO of Body Talk, the science of communication, is a keynote speaker, coach, author, and a speechwriter, winning a Best Speechwriter of the Europe Global Prize. I'm really happy to have you here as a guest, and I will be happy to hear your path. What does it mean, the body talk? Where did you start your path? What is your own story that you decided to take the communication aspect uh, further?
1: Sure. So, yeah, my path to here, a bit of an interesting one. So, uh, I've recently been diagnosed with uh, high-functioning autism and it's something that I've been kind of aware of for most of my life, but I just didn't know what it was. So, uh, you know, I've been labeled as shy. I, I am absolutely an introvert, but I realized when I was very young that when I was trying to connect with other human beings, that I was struggling. There was something that I wasn't doing, something I didn't understand where I could see other people building friendships, making relationships, having conversations even. And I found that It was almost as if I was living in a glass bubble, unable to connect. And so from a very early age, I felt passionate about studying uh, human communication. And so I did it in my own way. From the age of four, where I started to be aware of this sense of being slightly different, I'd be analyzing what was happening around me in, in communication, conversations, how friendships were being built. And each time I had an interaction that didn't go well, where I could see someone thinking, You're not like the rest of us. You're not behaving the way that people should do. I'd really look back on it and think, okay, what did I do? What did other people do? How do I change that? All of which led up to when I was sort of 16 years old, started to read books about body language, uh, other areas of communication, started to learn acting and do sort of local amateur dramatics. And then uh, aged 18, I decided to uh, start a big adventure in this area. So I went off to live in India. I was living in the foothills of the Himalayas in a little Tibetan monastery where I was teaching monks in exile and I was teaching them how to speak English. And the big challenge and the reason that involved body language is that they didn't speak any English when I arrived. So they spoke Tibetan, Nepali and Hindi. I didn't speak those languages. And so I had to figure out through body language, through tone of voice, how to communicate, how to connect with them. Because if I was going to teach them anything, they had to understand it from me non-verbally. And from there, I developed a key piece around congruency for communication. That if your body, your voice, and your words are all heading in the same direction, you're far more likely to connect, communicate with somebody for them to truly understand your message. So, for example, if I was teaching them the word excited, if I didn't look excited and I didn't sound excited, uh-huh. I could have been saying pineapple. They didn't know what I was saying. I stayed with that sort of core principle. I came back to the UK and then studied acting in London where I was learning about stage presence and non-verbal leakage as our communication coach would teach us. Things that you could do non-verbally that were not in the script that allowed you to communicate something to other people on stage and in the audience. And then as I continued to read, I read over sort of more than 200 books in the, in the area of communication, then launched our company, uh, through which we've now trained over 100,000 people, people from all over the world in this area of communication, really specializing with managers and leaders. And what we've been able to do that maybe other companies haven't is I've literally brick by brick had to build my communication skills up. So if people have a challenge, I can go, okay, I know exactly where you're at, you're here, and this is how you build the layers upwards, rather than saying, hey, I'm a great communicator, Let me try and help you. If you haven't had to build it, then it's very hard to know what the elements are, the structure, the framework that people need. So that's been my journey so far.
0: Wow, really inspiring. And I I really agree with you that the fact that you learned it by yourself, you can understand the challenges of other people and help them from this place, right? You have Mm. empathic understanding. But you also saw the few interesting words. I want to unpack them. First of all, you talked about the fact that we sometimes have a gap between what we say and what we are really feeling or being. So it's, I call mm. it the, the gap between the being mode and the doing mode. I can say something and communicate, but I don't feel this way. And then there's a gap and people usually reacting to the being, right? Not to what we are saying, but mm. to our body language. What do you think about it?
1: Yeah, well, this is a key area that we work on with people in business because you you often get that discrepancy where uh, people very often they arrive at work, they leave their personality at the door and they go into this poker face business professional mode. And you talked about people talk about their professional way of being and their personal way of being, which almost means that when they're being professional, they're being impersonal. And so I've seen this countless times where I get booked as a speaker at an event. And you know the company may have spent a hundred thousand pounds flying people in, booking a conference building, paying for the teas and coffees. And the leader stands up at the beginning of the event and says, hi everyone, I'm really excited to be here. I uh, hope you really enjoy the day. And they're saying the right words but it's just not coming across. And so it doesn't work. The whole audience feels flat. It's so critical in every situation that you concentrate on the delivery, not just saying the right words. Because, as I often say, you can say the same words and deliver a different message based on what you're doing physically and vocally. It has to be embodied. And so, to do that, the best questions to ask are you can think, What do I want the person to know? What do I want them to do? That's important. But also, how do I need them to feel such that when they leave this interaction, they are elevated by the experience that they put into action what I've shared with them? Because otherwise, they may know it, but never do anything on it.
0: First of all, in my research, my PhD, I found that that communication, I call it dialogue spaces, but mindful communication is a central tool for leaders nowadays to lead mm. a creative and innovative company. So first of all, I really believe in the importance of this, skills when i did my phd i found that i called it two uh, layers of communication as you said it's the the first layer is the rational layer okay it's uh, the cause and effect the logic and we all great in it especially in the workplace however i found another layer and this is the emotional layer right the emotional communication to speak our feelings our emotions and this usually we don't use especially not in the workplace because we are Mm. scared that it will flood us so as you said in order to increase our presence, we need to combine the rational communication and the emotional in order to show up fully and to be present. What do you think about
1: it? Absolutely. So, So first I would say to any leaders listening to this, if you're not connecting with people logically and emotionally, your business could be finished by this. If you just look at the massive shift that's happened through the last two years, through the pandemic, people have been really reflecting on their life choices. Thinking, you know, why do I work where I work? Does it have meaning for me? Does it have purpose for me? Do people really care about me? We've gone through this real challenge around a sense of do I, do I feel safe? Do I feel like what I'm doing is worthwhile? Because uh, we've got this massive change through the lockdowns that have happened, restrictions of our behavior. Uh, and so if you're going to engage people in your workforce, There has to be an emotional component to that because otherwise they might think, okay, I've got the job title I want. I've got the salary I want, but I don't care. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in the leader. My my heart isn't in it. I'm going to change my life. The the other side of that that's worth understanding, which people, particularly leaders, can sometimes put to one side is that if you take a look at uh, the work on thinking fast and slow, So Daniel Kahneman's work, who's a Nobel Prize winner in economics, and he explains very clearly in that book, and it's seen in a lot of other research as well, that the emotional part of the brain reacts first to everything that happens around you and the logical brain kicks in second. So if you go into a meeting and say, look, here's the logic of why we should do this, it doesn't mean that people are just going to react and and go in that direction because their emotion will pull them in another direction. I was watching, uh, re-watching actually a movie last night, brilliant film by Adam McKay called The Big Short. And uh, there is an analyst very early on who spots that the, uh, the, the mortgage uh, economy in, in America, that it's going to blow up. He spots that very early on. He's got all the analysis there. And he says to everyone who is managing their investments, he says that this is going to happen. Stay with me and uh, you'll make a fortune. I'm going to bet against the American economy. I'm going to bet against mortgages. Uh, but he doesn't do it in a way that carries people emotionally. He doesn't express clearly the pain that they are going to feel if they stay where they are and the pleasure that they will gain if they make a movement. And so instead, when he says, logically, we should do this, people start saying, I'm going to sue you. I'm leaving you. Give me my money back. And he was right. He was so right and, and right more so than anybody else was during that period. But because he didn't explain it emotionally, people didn't come with him. So, for leaders, if you've got a great idea, a fantastic strategy, you have to make sure that you are connecting with people on a heart led level, because otherwise you may never get there because you won't be able to turn the ship and get people to go in that direction.
0: Great tips. I understand that you also talked about the science of storytelling. Can you elaborate on it, how you can transform your business by your storytelling? Because it's a really crucial skill that we need to embrace nowadays,
1: no? Absolutely. So with storytelling in business, uh, so that there's a few different groups, you've got some people who dismiss it and say, I'm just going to tell people what to do and they should do it. Well, that kind of leadership went out about 50 years ago. So good luck with that. It doesn't happen anymore. Secondly, you've got some people who say, well, I'll just give people the facts and they will go ahead. That means that you're treating people like a human doing, not a human being we are all beings that need to be led. And what we love is stories. So this is not about saying to people once upon a time. Uh, It's not about just telling people what you did on the weekend or giving them anecdotes. It's not that either. This is instead, if you think back before PowerPoints, before bullet points and spreadsheets, if human beings wanted to pass down life and death information to the next generation, they had to do it in a way in which the key messages would be remembered, remembered and acted on for generations to come in order for the survival of the tribe. And so we devised a way of sharing information and that you can look at where if you go back to the 1970s, you've got Joseph Campbell, who's a mythologist, and he looks back around civilizations around the world that had never had contact with each other to see how did they share stories. And if you look all the way back thousands of years ago to the story of Gilgamesh, it's chipped into stone tablets and it has the same structure of a story that was used by the ancient Greeks, that was used by Shakespeare. And yet we didn't discover the story of Gilgamesh until after Shakespeare had died. So there was a way of telling stories that connects with the human mind that we feel utterly compelled by. And great business speakers use this today. So if you understand what that arc is, what that journey is, then you can bring people with you. You can give them your spreadsheets. You can give them your data. You can talk to them about your, your services and your procedures. But if you do it in the structure that we want to connect with, it simply comes from a question around this. Of rather than preparing your meetings saying, okay, what do I want to say? It's not that direction because nobody's interested in what you want to say. What they care about is what do they need to hear and what order do they need to hear that information in such that they are engaged from the beginning, they stay engaged throughout, and they take action at the end. And that's what the science of storytelling is really about.
0: So it's actually what I'm hearing you say, it's connecting with the emotions, with the place Mm. that they are present right now. And when I'm listening to you, I really connect to the communication because I also believe it's really crucial. And Mm. the way you say, I believe that you can say everything, but the question is how you say things. When I'm listening to you talking passionately about communication, I feel that communication is really what's created connection, but it's based on our emotion. It's not enough, the logical aspect. This is not a communication to fully communicate, right? That's right. You had your own storytelling about your pet. This is your storytelling. It touched me because it was really authentic. It was really, you felt the passion, you feel the meaningfulness in your journey and your question in life. And actually you brought this question into the world by creating services to help them nourish and increase their abilities in this area. So I looked at this way, the flow of your storytelling. I, said, I told myself, okay, this is actually a storytelling, no?
1: Yeah absolutely so I've been running my company now for 22 years and it's a live events company with the name body talk so clearly people know it's it's related to soft skills as they're called they're not soft but they're called soft skills yeah. and uh, you know I've been able to lead this company now through we went through the 2008 2008- uh, financial meltdown. We went through the pandemic and we have grown and become stronger and greater every single year for 22 years. And uh, when, when I talk to clients about this, say we're talking about pitching and they say, well, we need to you know show that we're better than the others. I said, that, that's great. You also need a story. This is critical because more people have uh, said to me, when I speak to clients and say, why did you take us on? They first of all said, we felt passion from you, that we didn't feel passion from other people. And they said, you had me when you started talking about the monks and going to the monastery. I thought that's the guy I referred to you in discussions as you remember. Remember the monastery guy? Let's get him in. That's the guy we want. And so that story is actually I mean, it's true and it's part of who I am. And I never really realized early on in the early years how important that would be. But that story connects people with who we are, the heart of what we are, uh, the mission that we have behind uh, what we're doing. And so when that comes into uh, storytelling, like you say, we need the emotion and the logic. If you look on a simplistic level of looking at the brain, there's three key areas we need to really connect with as leaders, as storytellers. And we talk about how great leaders lift people. They are Mm -hmm. elevating the people that they speak to such that by the end of that conversation, by the end of that meeting or presentation, but the other person feels uh, elevated from a negative or a neutral state to a more positive state. Well, how are you going to do that with spreadsheets? Well, the way that you do this is if, if you connect with the three key areas of the brain, the survival mind, the emotional mind, and the logical mind. So I'm not dismissing the logical mind, but if you just give them logic and they don't feel it's connected in any way to their survival or something they care about, then the information is gone the next day. And they'll be emailing you saying, what was that meeting about? What was the number that you gave me? Because it didn't register as being significant. And so that's why great stories do that. They connect with us on a survival level, an emotional level, and a logical level, so that we will stay and we'll watch a a three-hour movie and be totally transfixed. And we'll remember the plot and the subplot and all the details of what happened. And we'll remember that six months later at a party telling someone about this great movie we saw and yet, if you go to a 45-minute PowerPoint presentation, the next day, people have forgotten 90% of the information.
0: So it's interesting. I want to continue your, and talk about Otto Scharmer. Otto Scharmer is a professor from MIT, and he wrote the book, The Youth Theory. I believe you know it, right? So he talks about four levels of communication. First one is automatic communication like I'm waiting for you to stop communicating in order to say what I have to say so I'm not really listening to right I'm only in my mind the second one is coming from an open mind listening to the interesting the new data that you're bringing the third Mm -hmm. level is the open heart okay coming with connecting with the emotional and being empathic toward the other and the fourth, fourth level is the open will and this is connect to my approach and to the mindfulness leadership It's the ability to come open to a conversation without agendas, like I can say my agenda and then put it aside, my opinion, and then really be present and listen to what wants to emerge in the situation. Mm -hmm. And from this place, new wisdom can emerge, new solution can emerge. And this is what actually I found in my research that I call dialogue space. It's the ability, so I'm connecting you, the communication with the presence, is the ability of us as individuals, as leaders to be present with others and not only think about what we are going to say and being willing to listen to ourselves, others, and the t- situation and really enabling space for something new to emerge. What does it resonate within you when I'm talking about the present and the listening deeply and coming with open will to communication? Because you, know, you teach a lot of people, and it sounds like you're doing an amazing job, how to communicate better. But I think we also need to learn to communicate in a from a being mode, listen more, talk less.
1: There are too many leaders uh, who who jump into a situation in business where they want to be the hero and they say, okay, uh, I can fix this. This is the way. Let me show you. Uh, I'm going to lead from the front. You all have to follow me. This is where we're going to go. Or, Or even I see this a lot in when we coaching coach people for all kinds of things, doing a presentation on a big stage, doing conflict resolution negotiations, And too often what I see is that they get asked a difficult question and they just jump on it with an answer because they think that it's a nail and they're a hammer and they're supposed to just hit it as hard as they can, as quick as they can uh, without realizing actually that's not going to be effective because you haven't really heard what the person is saying to you. And so what I see great leaders doing is instead really spending the time to deeply understand the other person uh, with those Uh, Levels of communication you were talking about before, we we talk to people about making sure you've understood the logical context. That's great. But understand the emotions that are going on. And behind that, what is the deepest driving reason for this person's reaction, for their objection? Try to understand all of the layers that is going behind this before you then come in with uh, a method or a way forward. So I often tell people, instead of being the hero in a situation, try and be the mentor. The mentor is trying to understand what are your challenges, what are your goals, and how do I help get all of us in that uh, direction? And this is something that I learned going all the way back to when I was 18 years old, living in that Tibetan monastery, teaching English, is that I noticed between the monks when they were speaking Tibetan to each other, that there were mindful pauses in the conversation, one of them would speak and the other one would sit and deeply hear the person before then responding. And as they started to gather uh, English from me, and they, they built up their understanding, they'd do the same thing with me. I'd ask them a question, and there was a deep full thought, a deep thought uh, before they then came back and gave me their response. And that's always sat with me as being uh, useful to not have to think as a leader. I have to know all the answers about everything all the time, because that's not going to happen. When a uh, a situation like a pandemic comes up, you're not going to know all of the answers immediately. And so therefore, it is really worthwhile to be present with, with other people, hear them, hear their challenges, their worries, their frustrations, their objections, really deeply consider it and allow everyone the space to speak and not feel like you have to immediately come back with an answer. There is great respect that we can give to people where we think that person heard me. They have deeply heard me. And I'll, I'll give you another example where uh, my wife's a doctor and, uh, you know, she's, she's having to do, she worked with maybe 30 patients a day. They get 10 minute appointments for a couple of them. She, she'll say to me that the person came in, they were speaking about all the challenges that they've got, and then they left. And I, I would say, well, what, what did you prescribe for them? And she said, no, no, no. I just said they could come back and talk to me for 10 minutes again next week. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't even get the medication that they came for, but they felt deeply heard and the weight of the world is off their shoulders. And so, you know, sometimes as leaders, that's what we're there to do. And the person feels lifted, even though you haven't in the moment given them a solution.
0: Wow. This is really amazing. and I really agree with you. People want to be heard and seen, right? Mm-hmm. And once you see them and you are sitting with them present, listening to the challenges without solving the problems I think this is the mo- the best present you can give them sometimes. And, yeah. But it's really challenging for us because it requires us to connect with our unpleasant feelings, right? Maybe our challenges. And so I think your wife is doing a great job, sounds like this, because people are coming to her for this, for the attention yeah. she gives them, you know, not for the prescription, but for getting someone to be present and listen. So I really think it's a crucial skill that leaders need to embrace.
1: Yeah, I think that sense, particularly right now, that people people want to feel that they matter in an organization, in a team of any kind, in a family, people in a tribe of some sort, they want to feel that they matter. And so to make sure that people feel valued, it's not just about a pay rise or a different job title that you can give them. It's showing them that you really do care about them, their opinion, what they want out of life. And you spend that time in a way of integrity, not as a manipulation, not as saying, OK, I'll give you 10 minutes a week and you can download on me. It's not that. It's actually genuinely from the heart, caring about those people and not feeling like you have to always come up with the answers because it allows them to feel seen and to have your presence. And you know, to put that into the aspect, again, of a uh, family You can hear this said so many times that children that they don't really thrive on getting a bigger and a bigger Christmas present or on having sort of a a huge luxury uh, adorned on them. It's not about that. What they want more than anything else is our time where we are totally present. We don't have a phone with us. We can't be distracted. They know that they are the number one uh, focus for us for this length of time. And by giving that to them, it gives them a greater sense of worth and of well-being than, uh, you know, splashing out on a fancy holiday or, or a nice new bike might, might give them. They want to be with you and, and feel seen.
0: Wow. So true. I believe that each and every one wants to be seen in this attention. And then, as you said, it increases their self-esteem, I think, also because they are worthy of your yes. time. What does it mean about them? So it's so crucial. Richard, I can continue for hours because I love your passion and you bring a lot of wisdom and knowledge. However, before we wrap up, I want to ask you if you have a few more tips for leaders who want to increase the communication with the employer, although you gave a lot of tips, but maybe you want to add some more, or talk about things I didn't ask you, so it's your
1: time now. So final thoughts that that I would give people is... You know, my main message to leaders, to, to managers, even if you, you know, as, as part of a family, if you want to help lead your, your, your family, your tribe, your community through difficult times, I believe strongly that, you know, leaders need to lift other people. You also need to make sure you are looking after yourself and your mindset because you can't go to other people running completely on empty. But there's a key bit to put behind this. So I fervently believe you put your own oxygen mask on first. You know, putting your own oxygen mask on first, that, that comes, that's a phrase that a lot of people have said. It comes from you know, the, the plane is heading towards the ground. So you put yours on, then you put your child's on. Well, if you're doing that for five years, where you think, I'm just going to get myself together, I'm going to get my promotion, I'm going to get my money together, I'm going to get my health together, and then eventually I'll lift someone else, it, it's too long. Uh, you know, The plane's already in the ground. Uh, and so I encourage people to, to create space in their day. And you can do it as brief as as it needs to work for you, where you get yourself to the position of priming your mind to lift others, to be there, where you have intrinsic validation. I often talk to people about, think about what are your values? What are the principles that you live by? So you get that intrinsic validation. You don't need validation from others. You're strong inside, in your own mind. You can do that through meditation or you can do it through going for a run and focusing on who you are and where you're headed and what your mission is uh, behind that. You can also do it through having a mission board. People have vision boards where they think that's where I wanna get to. A mission board is this is why I'm doing it. So it tells your mind that's the point Because otherwise, you see whatever you want to get in the future, a fancy house or a financial target or a relationship, and your brain says, that's hard, what's the point? Get a mission board that says, this is why I'm doing this to begin with. And by doing that, you're putting yourself in a position where you can lift Others, and if people want more resources, they can come and, and check out our website. We have got you know videos and audio recording articles. Uh, that's on ukbodytalk.com. Uh, but like you say, Karen, I, I could talk to you about this stuff for hours because I'm really passionate about making sure that leaders have what they need and give what they need to be giving to people, uh, so that we are thriving right now and into the future.
0: Richard, thank you very much. It was really inspiring, and uh, I'm sure people will uh, reach out to learn more and have your offers in place so thank you very much
1: my pleasure thank you so much
0: hope you enjoyed the conversation you're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media thank you for listening until next time take care and bye-bye